0: Hello, I'm Jim White. Welcome to It's Friday, your guide to the best of arts, culture and entertainment to bring cheer to the lockdown life. You can find us on Spotify, Apple and Google and leave us a review. And don't forget to sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk. This week, we're joined by the great Ruby Wax. Remembering an encounter with a certain Donald Trump.
1: He told me he was going to be the next president, and I thought it's April Fool's. He's joking. (laughs) So I laughed, and he said, I hate her. Get her off the plane.
0: No mistaking these guys. Yes, Oasis are back with a rediscovered track recorded long before Liam and Noel fell out. And on television, the spy drama Homeland reaches another finale. Will this one be the last?
1: I missed something once before. I can't let that happen again.
0: First, though, as we come to the end of the sixth week in lockdown, we're seeing some extraordinary innovations in home entertainment. Since we can't go out anymore, we're having to bring the world to us. And thanks to the wonders of the Internet, we can do what we have long enjoyed. Enjoy things together. The Celebrity Book Club is inviting us to discuss fine books with their authors. Lionsgate Live is hosting movies with the likes of Jonathan Ross and Edith Bowman in charge. While the Secret Cinema Organisation has started a series of watch-along events where we can enjoy a movie safe in the knowledge that loads of other people are watching the same thing at the same time. Tonight, they're offering us Baz Luhrmann's Moulin Rouge. Joining me to suggest which of these watch-alongs is worth joining, I'm delighted to say uh, Claudia Connell, the Daily Mail's television guru, and Brian Viner, the Mail's master of the cinema. So, uh, Claudia, what have you signed up to?
2: Well, I took part in my first ever Netflix party. Ah! Um, that's why you have. So, if you have a Netflix account, you have to download a program, and it means that you can host an event and you can invite your friends to to join. So, you all watch a, a film or a, a TV program at the same time. So, on one half you've got the screen, on the other half everyone leaves their comments. Um, so, we watched Extraction, that new Chris Hemsworth thing, and it's. I don't. I've got to say, I, I was the first one to duck out of the party. <laughs> um, it just wasn't for me it was i found it really distracting you're trying to watch the film and then everyone's like oh oh look at his muscles oh, look at oh where do i know her from when someone comes on screen i thought like, no no <laughs> not for me a netflix party pooper so it's like a kind of book
0: club the idea was that you were communally watching yes, it and then discussing and, it
2: and discussing it at the same time and i think maybe it didn't work maybe you have to discuss it afterwards not during
0: Okay, um, Brian, what have you been entertaining yourself with then?
2: Um? Well, I, I, I've, I've,
3: I've kind of had a, a celebrity-free week, I'm pleased to say, but I've noticed that, I mean, like everybody else, I've been doing this Zoom thing. It's funny how Zoom has become a... It just entered the lexicon. Well, none of us had heard of it about a month ago or something. But uh, but I've noticed that instead of just having Zoom chats, people are now having to be more inventive. We, and it certainly happened to us some friends of ours Suggested that we should try playing that game. You know that TV show, Would I Lie to You? Here's a reminder of what the, um, of what the show sounds like.
0: Please, perhaps you'd like to explain how you know Ian. Never mind. <laughs> this <laughs> is Ian. <laughs> no, I, this is Ian. This is Ian. Listen, <laughs> I think it's fair to say the opposition have got it down to 50-50. <laughs> <laughs> Which character are you playing, Brian? Are you the Rob Brydon?
3: <laughs> no, so what we all had to do was, so we appear on Zoom, uh, this is us and our our, friend, our dear friends Avril and Ian, and uh, everybody had to have a, either a, a, a story about themselves that was either true or false, like that kind of an extension of call my bluff of blessed memory. So um, I had a very convoluted story about how I prevented red rum from running in the 1975 Grand National, which I won't... Uh, I won't go into the ins and outs of it. And in any case, it's not true. Red Run did run in the 75 Grand National. Uh, but, uh, but they thought it was true and it was false. So I kind of won, but that was good. Uh, and, uh,
0: yeah. but, but Claudia, uh, this idea that we're going to get a kind of community, it's going to get bigger, isn't it? Because that's the one thing we're missing at the moment. We aren't able to go to the cinema. We aren't able to go to the theatre. So this is going to get bigger, isn't it?
2: Yeah, there's, there's something going on almost every day now. There are um, Doctor Who watch-alongs every week where an episode is picked and the star of that particular show, the Doctor and his assistant, will join in on Twitter and answer questions. Um, what do we have? A couple of days ago, there was a Yellow Submarine sing-along. The Beatles have got their own YouTube channel and Ringo Starr sort of hosted it. And that was actually a really lovely family event because kids were encouraged to dress up and everything. And, and a lot, of course, a lot of children would never have seen the film before.
0: For a special Yellow Submarine movie sing along for kids and kids at heart. Peace and love. I know I'll be in there. I hope you do too. Peace and love. Uh, so uh, Ringo there, Brian. Uh, this this yes. is genuine celebrity. I mean, it never yeah. happened in the past, or or did you get sort of celebrity watch-alongs in the past?
3: <laughs> well, funnily enough, it, it makes me. I know you have got Ruby Wax got on the show today, haven't we? And and funnily enough, a few quite a few years ago now, maybe best part of twenty years ago, I was I went to the Playboy Mansion, gym. Oh, uh, place dropping a, or what? <laughs> not that I'm a name or place dropper. Yeah, with Ruby Wax. Because she was she was interviewing Hugh Hefner, and I was sent by a magazine to follow her interviewing Hefner, and so we were there. we were in the in and out of the Playboy Mansion for about three days, and what we found was that we were all supposed to disapprove of hugh hefner 's rather dissolute lifestyle, but actually he was quite a sweet old boy, I thought, and I interviewed him as well, and he was but he lived by this very sort of regimented diary where he literally did the same thing week after week every every night, so Wednesdays was movie night. So yeah, you talk about watching like Netflix party now where you can watch movies at the same time. Well, Hugh Hefner was doing that for years. Every Wednesday night, he would host a screening of a film. The, the day I was there, the Wednesday I was there was Gone With The Wind. But what was interesting was that of course he surrounded himself with his so-called girlfriends who were you know, about 60 years younger than himself. Most of the time, he loved mixing with younger people. But on the night, on his movie night, it was all his old friends came shuffling in, and they were all the same age as him. So suddenly the Playboy Mansion was filled <laughs> with kind of octogenarians, all sat down and all had to listen to Hef introducing the movie, and, and they all talked about it afterwards and during it. So that was, the, <laughs> that was my equivalent of a Netflix party.
0: Magnificent. Claudia. what are you going to do this week then? Have you got anything lined up? You've, you've, hang on, you've done Ringo. Where can you go from there?
2: Well, I thought I might catch up on it because I, I didn't watch it live because of the time difference. There was um, a, a 90th birthday tribute to Stephen Sondheim that went out live on YouTube. And it was like an, a, a, a sort of huge number of A-listers took part and they sang and they paid tributes. And there was one, was one clip that went viral. I don't know if you saw it. It was um, Christine Baranski and Audra McDonald and Meryl Streep who sang Ladies Who Lunch.
0: toast to that invincible bunch
4: dinosaurs surviving the crunch
0: let's, let's hear it
4: for the ladies who lunch everybody run
2: And they were sort of, I think, possibly a bit subtle at the time. Um, so that, <laughs> They've been I, I, it's a t- Yes, it's a two-hour tribute. So, and you can still watch that on YouTube. So, I might catch up with that.
0: I'm going to look at that. I'm going to look at that. Uh, Brian, you got anything coming up this week? Well, I've just, I've just discovered this
3: something called Kibi, Q U I B I. It's that it's it's short for Quick Bites, and it's a new thing that you can download on your. It's an app on your phone, on your smartphone, and it tells dramas. In sort of 10 minute chunks. So, and it it's, has some really good people in it. And it, so there are loads and loads of dramas that you can download and you watch them. The whole idea is not necessarily for lockdown, but the whole idea is that when this is all over, you can watch them on the tube or the bus or whatever when you're out and about. It's very, yeah, it's very interesting. I'll be writing about it in the mail in due course. But it's, uh, yeah, it's called Kibi, Q U I B I.
0: Great tips. Thank you very much indeed, Brian and Claudia. Now, I'm really rather nervous about this week's guest interview because the great comedian and scriptwriter Ruby Wax certainly knows what questions to ask. Back in the 90s and noughties, her interviews with the rich, the famous and the frankly unspeakable were unmissable television moments. However, when her series was cancelled by the BBC, it prompted significant soul searching and re-evaluation. These days, she's left television behind, and after completing a Master's in Mindfulness at Oxford University, she's a leading authority on mental health. Her writing and stage shows have helped many negotiate their way out of personal gloom. Her latest offering is the paperback version of her memoir, How Do You Want Me? And she joins me now from lockdown in West London. Ruby, how are you coping with all this lockdown malarkey?
1: Well, I'm running these uh, frazzled cafes, which is online. So I do about 100 people twice a day. They all come up on my Zoom and I do this. Um, it's kind of a peer-to-peer support, you know, and they have breakout rooms where they can talk to each other. And, and they're, you know, it, it gives people a chance to really say what's going on instead of chitter-chatter, you know. And, and this is before the virus, too. People just want to be heard and they want people to go, oh, yeah, I feel like that, too. So it's... It's like a religion. You know, when they talk to me and they say, thanks for listening, I go, well, I'm listening to you. So that's what gets me through this.
0: Actually, no, let's, let's suggest point this out. You are a master of mindfulness, aren't you? You've got a master's in mindfulness. Oh, master's in mindfulness. What would be Sorry. the one tip you'd give me to get through this, apart from join your frazzled cafe? You no, know,
1: that was wrong with our world before. There is no one tip. You know, that's too naive. <laughs> what can I say? The most important thing for us is to keep connected which we probably didn't do much of before the virus and uh because you know humans we're, we work as a pack and we forgot about that a little bit so i'm not going to go on about frazzle but you do see people now starting to listen to other people and have some concern about the next guy this is a whole new phenomenon really and uh and i think that's what we're going to need when we get out of here we're going to have to work as a team rather than may the best man win just change the philosophy a little bit.
0: Now, you've got your book, uh, How Do You Want Me? is coming out on paperback. Yeah. Now, I read somewhere, uh, Ruby, that you have given up comedy, but I don't think I've laughed as much in a book uh, for a long time as I did with this. It is How
1: could I give very, up comedy? Very, I'm doing shows and doing books. No, I, I didn't give up comedy.
0: You didn't give up comedy. What did you give up then? TV? What what did you give up? Yeah,
1: I mean, I stopped stopped being on television after 25 years, and then I went back to university and went to Oxford and got a degree in you know, mindfulness and neuroscience. And and then I turned that into shows and I turned that into books. The little way that Bill Bryson does is, my God, take something like um, evolution or why we are the way we are and then spit it and make it funny. So those became books and it became shows. So I've been doing this combination of comedy and stuff you'd want to know about that I always wanted to know about. Like, why do we think the way we think? How do we choose people we choose? What is it? Is it like... um, You know, is it a smell? Is it because we have anything in common? Is it a random? So all these questions I now turn into shows and books. How do you want me? Is uh, I wrote this book before and it's being republished. Carrie Fisher was my editor, (laughs) and she said this is the greatest review you can get. She said your family is almost as weird as mine. yeah that's the a-list of a-list you can't (laughs) do better than that so she she read it and it, it it my parents are as bizarre as it gets it's as dark and as, bar- but they're funny. Again, funny and dark are a perfect match.
0: Now, talking of which, uh, what I hadn't re- realized when, until I read your book, which is your life story um, up to a certain point. What I hadn't realized was you, when you did your interview show, you interviewed some really horrible people, didn't you? I
1: interviewed the heads of the Ku Klux Klan, Donald, murderers, um, celebrities. Yep, all the same. <laughs>
0: One of the things you said in there is that the the successful people are never satisfied with success. Would that classify even the horrible people as well?
1: Well, even more, you know, narcissism is a is an illness where, you know, there's no breaks. There's no uh, there's no neutral. It's just an animal that keeps devouring it. Now, that causes great success as is our president, they will never stop until everybody's devoured. On the other hand, it either makes you into a serial killer or a great movie star (laughs) or a very successful businessman. But, you know, we write a fine line. You have to be really hungry to be successful in anything, really. But some people do it with delicacy and some people are grotesque. And I interviewed some of the great grotesques.
0: Oh, come on, though, uh, Ruby. Imelda Marcos, I mean, that's about as low as you can go, isn't it?
1: Well, we bonded, you know, because I spent a week with her. And at the end, I kept, you know, it's a cheap shot to walk in and say, wear the shoes. But after a week, she loved me. It was like a match. And she took me into her attic and showed me her new stash of shoes and sang to me love songs, including the love song uh, with a pianist, Feelings, which is more ironic than almost anything I've ever seen, Ooh. considering she stole Ooh. $7 billion from her country. Yeah. Ooh. She sang Feelings. She got in her wedding dress and sang it. Then she sang 35 other songs, and I was getting tired. <laughs>
0: So you had a personal concert from Imelda Marcos.
1: Yep. Oh, well, yeah. I would move in a lot of times with the people I interviewed. That's why I don't do it anymore because I'd have week days with them. I didn't have... A chat show where people came out for half an hour. So I lived in the Playboy Mansion. You know, I did spend three days with OJ. Carrie Fisher became my best friend, so I knew her for 35 years. So Goldie Hawn, these relationships became relationships in real life sometimes. Did you miss it? Well, life got really more interesting since I went to Oxford. And then now I get to study what I study. But I also, I can turn it into comedy. So that I, that's my favorite thing. I mean, unless you're interviewing heads of state, it's going to get a little boring. I'm not that tight. I like to. Well, my next book in September is called And Now for the Good News uh, to the Future with Love. And I really got to meet the people I want to meet right now in my life. So I use these books as an excuse to uh, satisfy my own needs. <laughs>
0: the thing we always used to love about your uh, interviews though ruby you didn't hold back i mean when donald trump's told you that he was going to go into politics uh, you treated him with due reverence didn't you
1: he told me he was going to be the next president and i thought it's april fools he's joking so i laughed i laughed and he said i hate her get her off the plane we were in a plane and the plane landed and they delivered me and my crew in arkansas my crew and i we were dropped off in Arkansas, which we had no plans on going to Arkansas.
0: He literally kicked you off his plane.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He said, uh, land it. We just got out there. But I did see him again. As the show goes on, and you can see it on YouTube. We do catch up with him again. That you have to see when we meet him again.
0: Now, in your book, uh, Ruby, your parents uh, are writ large. They're obviously very important. They're very important in everyone's life. How are you as a mom?
1: Uh, well, I'm not like my mother, you know, who was, uh, I'm I'm telling you what came out of her mouth. I never even had to edit, you know, like what she used to say, run with the hyenas, go run, cut your mother's heart out with the scissors. You know, I don't, I don't do the grand (laughs) opera for my kids. You know, that accent, you know, (laughs) like, it sounds like you're declaring war on Europe. You know, People come out of the kitchen with their hands up. I didn't raise my kids with that kind of terror, but they, they still think I'm an embarrassment. I didn't think my mother was an embarrassment. I was just, you know, I was terrified.
0: Your daughter's doing a comedy troupe, aren't they? A, 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 yeah, com- a double act, the siblings. Yeah, what what advice sibling. do you give them?
1: They won't take any advice because I don't know anything about comedy. I'm an object of something to be loathed. If I go, can I give up? That's it, I'm out. They won't even let me see their shows.
0: Have they thrown me off their plane yet?
1: Yeah, if they had one. But (laughs) out of their Edinburgh show, I'm out.
0: So tell me about what the new book's about.
1: So the book is about um, I wanted to find the good news, and I don't mean in a kind of quick buzz high way. I mean, uh, for example, everybody complains about how kids are being educated. Well, there are places, I went to Finland, where there's a whole new way of teaching kids. You know, don't forget, they'll have jobs, these kids, that don't exist now. So they are teaching them how to deal emotionally with situations, how to control their, you know, um, their emotions so that they can focus on an exam. They're not being hothouse, but they're getting great results. And there's places in England, too, in the UK, where they know how to teach kids a different way rather than just stuffing them full of information, which they regurgitate out, and that's a success. And then in business, there's companies now, big companies, that are restructuring how, the, um, you know, how capitalism works. So it's more group work, and it's, uh, a lot of it is committed to uh, helping global issues. So you have one day of work off and you can choose your own choose your own charity but work on it don't just send money. And then uh, communities there's new ways of building communities in the country. There's there's a company that has 10,000 communities and they go from tribal villages to favelas to sensational villages that are sprouting up all over the world. And they're they're zero emissions and they're what the future. That's the hope of the future. If we have one, <laughs> so it, it,
0: this is about the future. So, what do you think? What do you think the current coronavirus lockdown, all that, what effects that going to have on the future? Do you think?
1: You know, if anybody knew that, <laughs> you know, if anybody knew, we don't. It's the uncertainty, and that's what's what's making people distressed. Is we've never lived with this kind of uncertainty because it's not like war where you know where the bombs are. Everything is potential danger. First of all, that's going to drive mental health out the window. So again, back to my frazzled cafes, we better start talking because isolation is going to make you crazy. And, you know, whatever the outcome of this is, I saw these green shoots, you know, people that are really going to make the world bloom. And when this is over, I'm going to go back and work with them or live with them because they're still there. I don't want to live in a world where we're fearful, where we discuss Brexit 87 hours a week, you know, we become addicted to fear eventually, because we're just human creatures. We, you know, it's their Memes in the air that make us terrified. And now really more than ever. And I've met people that are really doing interesting things. And I want to go back to them when this is over. And I hope my book could be a guide for other people to say, even though it's horrific, here's what's growing. And, um, And if you want, you go join it.
0: Ruby, it's been brilliant talking to you. Thanks so much. And I hope hope you do get out there and revisit these places. Who knows when you'll be allowed to, but one day.
1: When you get out, I'll get out.
0: Now it's time for Hits and Misses, where the Daily Mail's writers turn their expert eye on the week's new releases and tells us what hits the bullseye and what, frankly, misses the target like Matt Hancock. Uh, First up is the Daily
3: Mail's film man, Brian Viner. Brian, what's up? Well, Jim, I've I've seen um, a film called The Assistant this week, which is up on streaming platforms today. Quite a few of them, actually. So it's, it's, it's easily accessible. And it's a sort of post-Me Too movement film, which might make something, your know, blood run cold. But actually, it's extremely well done. There was a, you might recall, a film called Bombshell with Charlize Theron and uh, Nicole Kidman, which came out last year, which was also about this issue of, well, it told a true story of, of Roger Ailes, the head of Fox News. And The Assistant attacks the same, topic but does so very differently, very subtly. It's all about one young woman working in a in an office, and clearly the office is modelled on on that of Harvey Weinstein at the peak of his powers when, you know, he could behave disgracefully and, and bring kind of young and use the, the casting couch and all that kind of stuff. All this is going on, but we see it all through the perspective of a young woman. She is played by Julia Garner, a young actress who, if you ever saw the Netflix drama Ozark, plays a sort of hard as nails hillbilly in that. But here she's a a secretary, an assistant, whatever you call it, it's called the assistant. And she finds that with all her other tasks, she has to enable her boss's trysts with these young women. So she goes, she feels that she needs to kind of register some kind of alarm. And she goes to see the head of HR, played brilliantly by Matthew McFadden, British actor, wonderful actor and that's the pivotal scene in the film and we have a
4: clip what's your plan sorry where do you want to be in five to ten years
1: oh uh i i want to produce i want to be a producer
4: you do yeah (laughs) okay that's excellent we could use more women producers you know that's it's a tough job but i can see that you've got what it takes thanks So why are you in here trying to throw it all the way over this bull?
0: Now, we've just seen Matthew McFadden brilliant as the coughing major in the quiz, but here he is with an yeah. American accent, very different character.
3: Yeah, very different. He's, and he, of course, he has an American accent in succession. I don't know if you, you've seen that, mm. uh, and he's fantastic in that. He's, yeah, very different. It's a kind of a chilling scene because she goes with a, you know, she's, she's seen a lot, she's seen her boss. Who's who we never see actually, and we never hear his name, but he's clearly based on Weinstein. Uh, and she's seen him, and she's seen what you know him in bringing in this, uh, giving a job to this young woman that he met as a waitress on some faraway trip, and bringing her into the company, and that's clearly so that he can have his wicked way with her. And um, so she goes. So she has a genuine, bona fide complaint to make, but the McFadden character sort of twists it and turns it and suddenly it becomes about her and about her being disloyal which i'm sure is exactly what happened It's, it's it's very cleverly done it's only it's about 87 minutes long made by a woman called kitty green who has made documentaries in the past so it's it has there's a documentary vibe about it it's very very well done i highly recommend it it is definitely one of this week's hits
0: and what else have you seen brian
3: well, as a kind of antidote to The Assistant, which leaves you feeling a little bit kind of grubby, uh, there's, a, there's a, um, a documentary, which again, is widely available on streaming platforms, and it's called Nothing Fancy, Diana Kennedy. Now I thought, when I first saw this, I thought that it might be, um, when, I, when I first saw the title, I thought it might be about one of, the, one of the Kennedy clan, but actually it's not, it's about a woman who I'd never heard of, an English woman who's now 97 years old, the most extraordinary character. And she is the world's foremost authority on Mexican cooking, believe it or not. And we've never heard of her in this country or not many people have because, but she's very well known in the United States because she's done cookery shows there and what have you. She's lived in Mexico for since 1957 and she traveled around the whole country, all the regions and she always comes home with a recipe. It's really fascinating. Here's her talking about her early life.
2: All my life, I've caught. We
1: had to cook. About six or seven, we were in the kitchen with my mother cooking. I've had young chefs saying to me, oh, she's English. I with my grandmother. They've all got grandmothers now, you see? So I said, well, sonny boy, when I came to Mexico, you were this high. And I was cooking with your grandmothers. You seem to forget that.
0: This is not a woman anyone in this country would have heard of. How, why haven't we? Why no. has why she passed us no. by?
3: I, well, as I said, because I think she's big in the, in the States, because uh, she went to live in Mexico with her then-husband, or soon-to-be-husband, in 1957. She's been there more or less ever since. But her fame has spread, certainly throughout Mexico. She's been, rather wonderfully, she's been awarded the the Mexican Order of the Aztec Eagle, which I suppose <laughs> is like a... <laughs> like a kind of a chilli flavoured uh, OBE. Um, but, um, and she, she's fantastic. She's so feisty and fierce and opinionated. And, you know, she, If the worst thing you can do kind of in the world almost for her is add garlic to a guacamole, apparently. So oh, never do that, Jim. Never do that. Diana Kennedy will be on your case, I promise you. But uh, anyway, so it's a really, ch- it's not long. It's about kind of 18 minutes long. Just, just, just uh, a bit longer than that. And, it's a real treat, honestly. Whether you're into Mexican cooking or not, she is an absolutely incredible character. It's uh, it's really worth catching, and it is another of this week's hits.
0: Brian, you're in a very good mood two hits fantastic what a strike rate yeah well, i'm off to i'm off to i'm off to dip my uh, a tortillas in a guacamole but without garlic don't worry
3: no definitely no garlic she'll hate you forever <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now I'm joined by The Mail's music critic, Adrian Thrills. Adrian, less of a new release for you and more of a cultural event.
5: Yeah, a, a, a seismic happening in the world of, of music. I think Liam Gallagher referred to it as a meteorite or an <laughs> asteroid heading towards Earth. Uh, it's a new, in quotes, um, Oasis single called Don't Stop. I don't know what you've been doing during the lockdown in terms of rummaging around old cupboards and attics, but Noel Gallagher has been rooting through old boxes of CDs and has found this long-lost studio demo, apparently from about 2002, 2003, uh, of, a, of a song called Don't Stop. And he's, uh, he's spruced it up a little bit and uh, released it um, at midnight on Thursday. So it is the first new oasis single for something like 11 years and it's it's sung by noel it's it's a ballad it's it's not one of those great it's not a kind of pub sing-along along the lines of supersonic or wonder it's more of a, a leisurely stroll along the lines of um, half the world away and um it's got a few of the classic oasis trademarks there's a bit of tambourine a bit of george harrison like droning sitar like guitar And you know, it's it's a pleasant enough song. I don't think it's going to go down as one of the um, one of the great Oasis tracks.
0: But there may have been a reason why they didn't release it in the first place, of course, uh, Adrian. Well,
5: yeah, uh, yeah, quite possibly. I mean, it comes from around the time of the um, of the kind of um, the Heathen Chemistry and um, Don't Believe the Truth albums, which was after their initial. Imperial phase, they tailed off a little bit, but they did come back with a couple of good albums in the early noughties, and um, maybe Noel just didn't feel that one was up to it, but um, I think it's it's certainly not a bad song. Uh, I think what it lacks, what it needs, is just a, a little bit more, it does sound like a demo, it needs a bit more finesse, and um, yeah, it pains me to say it, it probably needs Liam to sing it, rather than Noel. He would just give it that extra zip and energy, and uh, it, a bit of light and shine,
0: so um, a hit or a miss, Adrian?
5: Well, I think it's potentially a hit. I think in its current form, we'd have to say a miss. But, you know, let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say with, with a bit more work, it would be a hit. <laughs>
0: so uh, is there anything new then this is obviously something archived but is yeah, there anything is, new that's caught your eye
5: this is this is probably about 50 at least 15 years old um yeah there's a couple of new albums there's one by the american jazz singer curtis steigers who he's been spending his lockdown at home in in boys idaho and uh, he, he's taken to twitter he did a a cover of matt lucas's big potato song and put that out to, for the world last week but he's he's also been putting the finishing touches to uh, to a nice mellow new album you might remember curtis diggers he was he was kind of a smooth long-haired blue-eyed soul singer in the 90s he had a couple of big hits but he moved over to jazz in 2001 and he's a really accomplished jazz singer. I think he's, he's mastered what Tony Bennett used to call or would call the art of intimate singing. He, he kind of gets inside a song. And it's, it's a decent album. It's a mixture of originals and covers it's it's got kind of quite a thoughtful flavor but he's got a nice wry sense of humor that um i think we're going to hear a song it's a cover actually a nick lowe song called lately i've let things slide there's a cut upon my brow must have banged myself somehow but i can't remember now the front doors open
1: wide
5: lately Slide.
0: So for you, Adrian, is that a hit or a miss?
5: I think that's, that's, that's a kind of a, a lovely song, which uh, it wryly really captures the, the sense of a hangover, which maybe a few people <laughs> have had to endure during the, certainly the early days of lockdown. It, for me, it's, it's definitely a hit. And what was the other new one you had? The other one, it's... Uh, a New England singer called Joan Wasser, or as she prefers to be known, Jonah's Police Woman. And uh, she took her name after the 70s, detective drama uh, policewoman's that starred Angie Dickinson and she's an interesting singer she's made a few really nice albums of original songs she has a slightly kind of arty streak but she's also a really good soul singer very talented musician and I really like her original material um, her new album is called Covers 2 As a clue in the title it's her second collection of cover versions she's done quite a lot of indie rock covers here she's covered Blurs out of time and the stroke song under control which she's she's transformed into a really nice r&b song and um but my, my favorite track on the album there's there's a cover a real left field one she's done the song called there are worse things i could do which is you may remember from the grease soundtrack
4: there were
1: worse things i could do
5: A hit or a miss uh, Jonah's Police Woman I love that song but I'm afraid the album as a whole is very patchy she tackles Prince's kiss and um, a Neil Young song on the beach and doesn't really do them justice so it, it's, it's a hit and miss affair but I think I would probably err uh, in this one slightly on the side of miss <laughs>
0: now this week uh agent spotify said that it's it's never had so much business um and it looks as though we're going to keep adding to it it's it's become a real go-to in in lockdown times hasn't it
5: yeah across the board music obviously there's, there's new releases are still coming thick and fast they tend, tend to be moving around someone getting put back put back then brought forward as, as in the case of the new heim album and There's there's also all these amazing live streams. There's People are even doing online festivals, I gather.
0: That's right. There's an online festival uh, coming out this weekend, a local one, to where where I live called Lockdown Festival. It's got pop artists, DJ sets, uh, all sorts of things. And it's going to go on for 48 hours. You can go online at any time and join in. Do do you think that's going to really pick up over the summer?
5: Well, I think the, the festival season has just been wrecked. It's been devastated by the lockdown. And, uh, you know, another major festival went this week, Latitude, um, which was going to be headlined by Liam Gallagher and the Chemical Brothers. That one um, that one went by the buyer this year. So it, it, in lieu of that, I think people are going to look for kind of curated online events actually yeah, mini festivals um the hawaiian singer-songwriter jack johnson he did one last weekend um he, he does it every year in hawaii this year he hasn't been able to do it so him and his pals they've taken to uh, to doing it online and they've had you know, the likes of um eddie vedder played and um you know, a whole host of, um, you know, quite, quite high profile artists. Um, He even had um, online outdoor catering tips by an organic chef. (laughs) So we really kind of got into that, that kind of sun-kissed Hawaiian festival feel.
0: As long as the toilets are f- proper flush toilets, will, all, all, all right.
5: One of the advantages of an online festival is <laughs> uh, you don't have to kind of brave the uh, the <laughs> horrors of a festival toilet.
0: <laughs> with that thought, we'll leave it. Thanks very much, Adrian. It. Finally, Claudia Connell, the Daily Mail's television writer. Uh, Claudia, what has TV got in store for us this week?
2: Well, on Sunday, the last ever Homeland. Homeland is no Ah. more. So nine years, eight series, um, no more of Carrie's trembly Lip um, it's yeah the last ever series on Sunday it's, a, it's an extra long one um, people, fans of the show like, like me have been a huge fan of Homeland but it, it started off brilliantly it went massively off the boil but it has been a, a big return to form this, this series I think and the penultimate episode ended with Carrie being told by the Russians that she had to kill Saul this is her champion her mentor her friend they have um, a flight recorder which will prove that the president of the USA wasn't murdered. She wants this for her career. Is she going to is she going to take the ultimate step and betray Saul? That's what the whole episode is about. And I think we have a we have a clip here.
4: We're all fighting the same enemy here.
1: I made a deal. The flight recorder for your asset in Moscow.
4: I told you there is no such person. He doesn't exist.
1: She. Saul loved me, he trusted me, and that's gone now. I told you Pakistan wouldn't lie down. We're one hair trigger away from annihilation.
0: Claudia, you are confident this is the end. I mean, you never know with these long-running series. Are you sure it's all over, having seen the last episode?
2: They'd certainly tie up all the loose ends. It's feasible that they could come back for another. I I get the feeling that they're done and dusted with this. I I think that Claire Danes, who's the star of the show and also the executive producer, wants to move on to other things. There was a two-year gap between the last two series, so I I think it's done and dusted now.
0: And does it go out on a bang? Is it a hit or a miss?
2: It it, it does. I would have been really disappointed if it was a, a a flat ending. But it's obviously I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say what's happened. But there's a twist and there's a double twist and and I didn't see it coming. So I I think if you if you can't see the ending coming then it's good. So it's it's a hit.
0: And the twist is she is actually Damien Lewis.
2: Well, you know what? There was lots of conspiracy theories going around because um, they started using uh, Brody, the Damien Lewis character, in the opening credits for this series and they hadn't done for the last few series. So people were thinking, is he coming back? Maybe he's not dead. But actually one spoiler, no, he is dead. He's not coming back.
0: <laughs> so uh, what else, Claudia? What, what else should we be watching next week?
2: There's a new, a new drama that starts, on, starts streaming on Netflix tonight. It's called Hollywood. This is the latest offering from Ryan Murphy. He's an American screenwriter. He's the guy behind Glee, Nip and Tuck, American Horror Story. And he signed this exclusive deal with Netflix for $300 million. So he is massively under pressure to deliver the goods. Set in the 1940s, and it's about the golden age of Hollywood. And we have a little clip here.
4: This town's all about dreams. And some of my customers don't just come here for gas. What's the password again? Dreamland. Dreamland.
1: I want to go to Dreamland.
4: You get in the car with them, have a drink maybe. And sometimes, sometimes you have to service. No, I came here to be a movie star.
2: I want to take the story of Hollywood and give it a rewrite
1: has a picture that we're very excited about. It's about fame and what Hollywood does to people. This is our screenwriter, Archie Coleman. Pleasure to meet you. You're colored. I
0: love it. That is a lot of pressure on Ryan Murphy. Does he succeed? Does he pull it off?
2: you know what this so this is very stylish it's set in the 1940s and it's about um it's all the wannabes who, who want to if they've come back from war and they want to break into the movies you've got um, a director you've got actors you've got writers and and they're struggling and the first episode is about a very very good looking guy who wants to be an actor he's married his wife is pregnant but he can't get his big break so he ends up working as a gigolo and it's it's very very stylish the the costumes are brilliant the dialogue is snappy it Reminded me of Mad Men in its looking and in its feel, um, but I'm yeah. I think that's probably where the similarities end. I, I enjoyed the first episode, which they're about forty five minutes. I thought, oh, I'm going to watch the next one, and then I'm afraid it just went downhill after that. There's um, Jim Parsons. I don't people might remember him. He played Sheldon Cooper in The Big Bang Theory. He's in it and he's brilliant. He plays um this sleazy actor called um, Henry Henry Wilson, who's actually based on a real life character. He was a man who invented the Hollywood beefcake and he, he's really good he's worth looking out for and there are some good performances but overall it, it just it just doesn't quite get there it's i think it really is sort of style over substance
0: so hit or miss
2: um it's a miss
0: well now you know what you should be binging on and what should be filling up the bin man's wagon my thanks to brian claudia and adrian The last time we heard from Jackie Stephen, the Mail's own celebrity celebrity reporter, she was trying to mix cocktails like Stanley Tucci and dreaming of what life might be like were she to marry the New York governor, Andrew Cuomo. Life is never dull with Jackie, even in lockdown. Uh, And what have you been up to this past week?
4: Well, as usual, I'm watching a ton load of TV. My neck is so bad because I'm just (laughs) kicking to the TV and fall asleep in front of it every night. Uh, I've been really enjoying RuPaul's Drag Race. These drag queens are incredible, but... Gosh, it takes them so long to get ready. The makeup, the hair and everything. And they had a special American edition. But there was a bit of a problem in the most recent program because they had special guest Jeff Goldblum. And the Stars and Stripes uh, theme that they had involved them wearing flags and lots of American stuff. And one of them wore hijab. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, hijab. Sounds good to me. uh, (laughs) And uh, it was you know, obviously Islamic dress. And Jeff Goldblum made the point, isn't this a religion that doesn't like homosexuality, would object to the particular form of art, you know, drag queens? And there was a big fuss about this saying that he was anti-Islam and anti-Muslim. Well, to me, he wasn't making that point. What he was saying was, isn't it ironic, surely, that a religion that does object to these things, that we've got someone in this costume. He was just saying that the disparity between the look and the religion was something that sort of sat strangely. He wasn't saying it sat badly, but it was slightly strange because you've got this costume and you think, oh, that religion won't be watching it because they would object to it. So I think he was very unfairly castigated over his comment.
0: Uh, so where was he castigated then, uh, Jack? It was this in, 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 in uh, on, online, social media, or, or did he get told off at the time in the programme?
4: He didn't get told off in the programme, but he got told off afterwards in the press. It was all over the press the next day. And they, they really go for it over here when somebody is, you know, well, you can't say anything about anything to do with religion at all. If it was Christianity, I'm sure that they could have a go at it. But anything to do with Islam, you cannot say anything about There's huge sensitivity about that in the press.
0: What else have you been uh, watching? Uh, We have RuPaul's Drag Race. Are we going to get anything that you've been watching over
4: here soon? Uh, I know you've got your own version of the masked singer and you've got Kevin Young on it and he's so funny and he's on the one over here, he's very very different on the one over here, he really knows his stuff and he's slightly more tongue down, in the British version he was all, I know who this is, that was his jokey thing, over here his act is to say everything that's totally wrong he is never the person who gets it right and that's very funny Uh, this week we had Gordon Ramsay as a guest on it it's very clear when you have a guessed that it's all very, very scripted because you can't tell me that Gordon Ramsay knows who this skateboarder might be or who <laughs> this Bob Slayer might be. So he's full of all this knowledge. He performs it very well, but it's obvious that Gordon has got time for that. He's too busy making his own programs to sit down and thinking who was the basketball player of 1992, who this might be on stage dressed as a bear. It's just not <laughs> going to happen. And when he decides who it is, it's always a British person. Like this week, he thought that Kitty was Charlotte Church. Now, interestingly, one of the Americans has said they thought it might be Charlotte Church. Uh, I don't think it is at all, because I think even when it was recorded, she would have been pregnant, uh, so she wouldn't have been flying. That's my theory. I, I love the program, but I can't stand the synthesized voices. Uh, There's something that just really goes through me with it. And the other thing that they do over here that is much better done than the British version, apparently when they're doing Take It Off, before the mask comes off, the audience leaves because they don't see that bit because it has to be kept secret in the press. Now in the British one it's very obvious there's no audience there because they film only the stage. In the American one they intercut it with shots of the audience Uh, And it makes it look as if the audience are there. It's very, very clever. It's a great show. But back in March, Sarah Palin was unmasked. And I tell you, she's a much better rapper than she's ever been a politician.
0: (laughs) Is it a big big show? Does it get big ratings?
4: It's huge over here. Absolutely enormous. It's one of those shows that caught on very much like it did in Britain. But over here, it's incredibly big. As is RuPaul's Drag Race. When we weren't in lockdown, I used to go to the pub and they were packed with all the gay guys in the area. I live in a very, very gay area and all the guys are just crammed in watching rupaul's drag race they do that quite a lot in america
0: you go out to the pub for a kind of communal watch then
4: yes and they do it with quite a few shows but rupaul's is the biggest one in actual fact i won when the interval they have a couple of people in the pub uh lip syncing and i got on the bar one night and i lip synced to megan trainers all about that Bass," and i won i mean beat the gay guy in the competition <laughs> So it's great fun. I miss I miss that in lockdown actually.
0: I tell you what, they you miss it, but more to the point they miss you. <laughs> Lovely to speak I to know. you.
4: We'll meet again.
0: <laughs> Until next week.
4: Okay, stay safe.
0: And that's it from It's Friday. We'll be back next week and every week via Spotify, Apple and Google. Don't forget to sign up to your daily briefing from mailplus.co.uk. And if you'd like to get in touch directly, we're on It's Friday at mailplus.co.uk. Until next week, I'm Jim White. Stay safe.